I awoke in the desert. My mouth was dry, and the air was hot. Before me was what appeared to be an old record player. It had a gramophone horn and a turn crank. In the distance, I heard a buzzing sound. I had a bag on my shoulder. On its flap was a sideways figure eight and a capital letter G. Infinite G. Various sundries lined the bag. A vial of dust, a rolled burlap mat, a salamander plush doll, and a rigid flat disc in a paper sleeve. The disc looked as if it would fit on the record player. In the distance, a swarm of insects approached. I turned my head and looked the other way, only to find that I was surrounded by the approaching, buzzing horde. Nowhere to go, I put the disc on the spike, put the needle on the record, and began to crank the handle. The disc said, 45 RPM, underneath an ostensible title, Mr. Mungo's Dingo Bingo. 45 revolutions per minute is a little less than one round per second. I cranked. Music played. It was a raucous jam. I knew the song. This was one of the songs that the Garrigan Brothers played back when they were working on this album called The Gas Giant Odyssey. It was supposed to be about planets and like some kind of space journey. But the project ended up being just a bunch of fist fights and, and fart jokes. So um, that was that. But the insects in the distance grew closer. Instead of honing in on me, they appeared to change direction. They began to swirl into a tornado-like cloud. Upon closer look, they weren't insects at all. They were flying monkeys. The swirl picked up and twisted, turned, rattled, and bumped. It grew faster and wider. It began to take a shape. I thought it was forming a giant fire hydrant, but then it grew a long snout and a paintbrush tail. It was forming a giant elephant. The elephant continued to twist. Then, all of a sudden, the beast stopped turning in midair and dropped to the ground. I knew this creature. It was Mr. Mungo, the tricycle-juggling tyrant. He tried to destroy Archelon, the guardian of the universe. Where... where am I? I... I... I, I need to get out of here. That song, it, it... it burns. It burns. The horror. The dingo bingo, Mr. Mungo said. Immediately, he ran off into a random direction. The song ended. Underneath the old-timey record player was the letter N, with an arrow pointing up. I guess that meant that North was that away. I looked in the pack. I grabbed the burlap roll, opened it up, and gazed at it. It was a map. At the bottom was an elephant circled with a line through it and a record player like the one in front of me. It might as well have read, You are here. Above the no-elephant zone was an oval that looked like a running track. To the right of the oval was a pyramid-looking thing. 
Next to the pyramid was an X. Ahead of me, in front of the gramophone, I could see Mr. Mungo's tracks. It looked as if he were headed to the raceway. I walked for a while. Music played in my head. Twitching in my hand, I don't understand. My wrist has turned to sand. I'm chewing on my thumb, my fingers have gone numb. I think I've had enough. And it's two steps to the door. Shoot the lights out. followed Mr. Mungo's tracks for a while. It was hard to say for how long. Minutes? Hours? Days? I don't know. Eventually, they came to a stopping point. Where his tracks ended in the sand, a table with three boxes on its top appeared. The box to the right had a picture of a chimpanzee etched in its bottom. 
The box in the middle had an elephant on its interior flat. The box on the left had a salamander. I looked in my pack, grabbed the salamander plush doll, and set it snug in the outline on the bottom of the box. Looking into the distance, there was nothing but sand. Suddenly, a giant racetrack, the size of a high school track, appeared. It was like a mirage slowly appearing and then becoming real, like a dimension just to the side of reality. This plush doll was a key. As the track materialized, a stadium appeared around it. There were a thousand monkeys jumping up and down, clamoring in the stands. At the far end of the track was a giant throne. Well, it wasn't a throne as much as a golden platform. Suddenly, the monkeys stopped their chatter. A stomping that shook the ground vibrated the stands, the track, and the earth beneath my feet. A giant black Labrador retriever marched slowly to his throne bed. I recognized him. It was Lord Smithfield. There were three tents in front of me. On the side of each was the same etching that was on the bottom of the boxes in the front of the arena. A salamander, an elephant, and a chimpanzee. From the chimpanzee tent emerged a stout chimp. He looked familiar. Lord Smithfield, I accept the Desert Duo Dash invitation. As our bounty for entry, we offer this bone, the chimp said. It was Horatio, one of the three farting chimpanzees. Then, ten monkeys carried the large dinosaur-sized bone to the Dark Lord. He barked with approval. <laughs> Lord Smithfield then conjectured an assertive, formal, questioning bark. I shall ride, Lord Smithfield, a second chimp said. It was Monocle. Smithfield let out an approving snort. Then, a gaggle of monkeys delivered a large barrel to Horatio and Monocle's tent. On the side, it read in bold letters, Beans. In an expectant and unmentioned decorum, attention turned to the second tent. Lord Smithfield, I accept the Desert Duo Dash invitation. As bounty for entry, we offer this giant sock. It was Mr. Mungo. Smithfield squealed in excitement, as if he loved the idea of munching on a sock. A band of monkeys took the giant sock, gave it to Smitty, and scurried away. Lord Smithfield was pleased. I shall ride, Lord Smithfield, a third chimp said. It was a Poppinex. Lord Smithfield was consumed by his sock. He looked up, snorted approvingly, and buried his nose back in the sock. A grouping of simians delivered another barrel, this time to Mungo's tent. On its side, it read in bold letters, Oats. Attention turned to the third tent. Lord Smithfield, I accept the Desert Duo Dash invitation, and as bounty for entry, I offer this frisbee, the salamander said. The Dark Lord stopped nuzzling the sock, looked up, 
and became focused on the flying disc. Then the salamander threw the frisbee directly at Lord Smithfield. He caught it with an alarming alacrity. Uh, I don't have a rider, but I will accept a proxy, the salamander said. Lord Smithfield barked with a menacing and disapproving tone. I shall ride, Lord Smithfield, I said. The thousand monkeys laughed in concert. Mr. Mungo, Apopanax, Knuckle, and Horatio laughed too. The salamander threw me a questioning look. I nodded. The salamander nodded in return. A group of monkeys delivered a third barrel. This one was labeled broccoli. The Dark Lord howled as if to announce something official. Everyone, including the crowd, looked to be taking a break. Mungo and Horatio retreated to their respective tents. Monocle and Apopanex ladled the contents of the barrels into bowls and began bringing them into the tents. The salamander slithered over to me and said, Come with me, wooden man. We haven't much time. Brush the snow from my eyes Breathing carbon monoxide Stretch an atom a mile wide I'm running into a backslide Holding on to the snowdrifts Getting whatever I get There's an echo in my head I'm hanging on by a short thread I took a dive 
Over the next 30 minutes, the salamander, who was actually a malamander, a giant magical salamander, explained himself in great detail and what was at stake. We were to race around the giant track three times. The rider rides on the back of the runner. On the last lap, the runner is to fart as much as possible with the hope of propelling him an even faster speed. Hey, do you want some broccoli? No, I'm, I'm good. Okay. You understand the deal, right? Yeah. Monocle and Horatio are going to deliberately hold back, while Mungo and Apopanex are the favorite to win. Monocle will try to derail us and make Mungo's win appear to be legit. They're in cahoots, as always. You sure you don't want any broccoli? I'm getting kind of full. The malamander let out a toot. What I don't understand is, if we're in a time loop, doesn't the same team win every time? No. Each loop is unique. Think of it as a new roll of the dice. Sometimes, Mungo wins. Sometimes, we win. Other times, Monocle blows it and wins the prize for himself. Well, um, what's the prize? It's in the pyramid. Money. All the riches you could ever want. Well, what good is it here? It's not. That's exactly why we must win. Will we make the right choice? I will. You might. A siren pealed through the camp. The malamander signaled me, and we entered the track. A Papanex rode proudly on top of Mungo. Monocle rode Horatio, although not with the ease of riding an elephant. Well... Shall we? I hopped on top of his back, and we rode to the starting line. Lord Smithfield was engrossed in his sock. That was his favorite bounty, but the bone in the frisbee looked chewed over. He was happy. He let out a howl. Come on, the malamander said. We creeped to the starting line. Lord Smithfield said. It was like a ready, set, go, button dog. Weird. We were off. The race had begun. Be cautious, Murray. They played dirty. Before I could reply, we were moving and moving fast. Mungo kicked up a dirt of clouds behind him, making it difficult to see. Horatio ran on his knuckles. Apopanax and Monocle rode their respective steeds with attention and focus. The malamander, being smaller in size than the others, was able to weave in and out of Mungo's legs. Mungo was moving quickly as Horatio. We rounded the first turn. Leveling out, 
Monocle pulled out a giant wooden hammer. It was like something out of a cartoon. Although we were kind of in a cartoon, but still it was cartoon-like, sort of. He pulled the hammer back and swung it as hard as he could at Mungo. He connected, and Mungo let out a shout. Hold it in, Mungo. Not until the fart zone. Mungo retaliated by pulling out a bunch of bananas from somewhere. Um, not really sure where he got them. Maybe in his fat folds or something like that. But when he threw the bunch of bananas as we rounded the second turn, Horatio was distracted and followed the bunch with his eyes. It slowed them down. Focus, Horatio, Monocle said. We had completed the first lap. The Malamander had been scurrying in between Mungo's giant legs with an alarming jest. As we went in for another weave, we hit a fabric wall. You're no match for me, Malamander, Mungo said. He had dropped some kind of cloth that covered his legs, kind of like a dress. We couldn't cut across the track under our opponent anymore, and we fell behind as we rounded the third turn of the race. Dang. Hold on, Murray, the Malamander said. He kicked it up a notch, and we played it close to the inside of the track. Monocle stood upon Horatio's back and turned to face us as they trucked quickly right in front of us. Can you see well? Monocle said. He took his monocle from his face and held it to the sky. The sun shone through the monocle in a brilliant, focused beam, burning the ground as we ran forward. He struck Mal's hand, and he let out a cry. Ah! We came to a stop as we rounded the fourth turn of the race. Ready, Murray? Before I could answer, Mal moved forward. We began the last lap. Lord Smithfield's nostrils flared with a particular interest. Now, Mungo! Apopanax said. Then Mungo farted. It was big and loud, and it propelled him almost half a track length ahead of us all. His pace picked up momentum as he moved into the lead. Horatio, any time now, Monocle said. Horatio let out one of those smooth stream farts. It was slow and steady. He was gaining on Mungo. Before I could cover my mouth, because it smelled really bad on the track, I felt an enormous rumbling below me. The Malamander let out a broccoli fart that rivaled any fart I had ever heard. It propelled us forward with an initial burst. Mal was letting out controlled power bursts and gaining on Mungo and Horatio. Hold on, Murray. When I say duck, get down, the Malamander said. Monocle saw that we were gaining. He held his eyepiece to the sky once again. The concentrated sun ray came close to us and Mal said, Duck, Murray! As I got down, Mal moved forward in a burst. The ray of light shone. It set off a brilliant explosion. The Malamander and I rocketed into first place, leaving a trail of fire behind us. Ah, birds! Mungo said. No, 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 this cannot be! Apopanax said. Figures. Monocle said. We crossed the finish line. We had won the race. My eyes cry.
crashed like a glass on the floor My sight stumbling straight for the door And I know you feel the same way that I do the same things that I do We're two separate worlds Two separate lives And two separate hearts Will not survive Way too soon to know your eyes say it all, fading out closed, and I know you feel the same way that I do, and I know you. Do the same things that I do We're two separate worlds Two separate lives And two separate hearts Will not survive There's no point in staying here We're two separate worlds Two separate lives And two separate hearts Will not survive We're two separate worlds Two separate lives And two separate hearts Will not survive Lord Smithfield was pleased. He delivered ten monkeys down from his throne. They carried a giant pillow upon which rested a key, one that, I guess, would unlock the door to the pyramid, which lay just beyond the racetrack. Everyone was assembled in an award ceremony. The monkeys looked on, cheered, and we were excited about the outcome. Lord Smithfield let out a giant howl, picked up his sock, bone, and frisbee, and retired to his doghouse, just to the left and behind the track in the opposite direction of the pyramid. Well done, Mal. Well done. A Apopanax said. Well, shall we? 
the malamander said. I rode on his back the short distance to the pyramid. The four race competitors looked on in envy, but held their ground at the award stage. They will follow us, the malamander said. Uh, how much money are we talking about here? As much as you can imagine. Like, um, a million dollars? If that's what you want. A billion dollars? If that's what you want. A trillion dollars. If that's what you want, the malamander said. We arrived at the door. I inserted the key, and the door opened easily. To the right of the pyramid interior was a stack of money. To the left was a spiraling sand pit that engrossed the left half of the room. I took a stack of $100 bills off the pile. It was immediately replaced with more money. How am I supposed to carry all this? You created it. Imagine what you want, and it shall be there, he said. I closed my eyes and imagined a prepaid trillion-dollar debit card. When I opened my eyes, a single plastic card lay on the ground. I picked it up and looked at it. On the front was my name, Murray, and the balance of the card. It had a one with twelve zeros after it. Now, you don't want to lose that. What's the pit for? I asked. That's the exit. You take the money, jump in the pit, and go off to spend it in the world of your dreams, being a god among men. But if we've done this before, wouldn't it make sense to... Be- Aha! Before I could finish, Apopanax, Horatio, Monocle, and Mungo stormed into the room. Not so fast, wooden man. Really? I thought. Really? Look, we won fair and square. No one ever wins. We've been doing this for centuries. Just give us the money, and we'll end this. Okay, I said. I flung the debit card to Apopanex. Aha! You fool! Monocle, Horatio, Mungo, we're rich! Let's go raise an army and rule the universe. I shall be king, and you three will be feudal lords of the lesser galaxies. As they puffed up and congratulated themselves, I placed my hand in the infinite G bag which I had over my shoulder. My hand found the vial of tricycle dust. Then... I knew what to do. Apopanax, Monocle, Horatio, and Mungo leapt into the sand pit. As they whirled and whirled around, nearing the center, I pulled out the vial, uncorked it, and poured it into the pit. No! No, 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 no! Apopanax said. We're turning to stone! Mungo said. You know, I'm kind of glad this is over. Monocle said. Horatio said nothing. The sand pit swirl came to a grinding halt. The three chimps and the giant elephant turned from a militant crew to a statue frozen on the left side of the pyramid. Congratulations, Murray. It is truly over. You have won, the malamander said. We exited the pyramid. Time had passed. We looked to the racetrack. Lord Smithfield's doghouse was empty. There were no monkeys. Everything was barren. Time wasn't standing still, but life seemed almost motionless. The desert was no longer hot. There was no wind. It was peaceful. Hey, can I ask you something? How did you know to pour the vial into the pit? I don't know. I mean, it it seemed like the right thing to do. I mean, it was the only thing I had left in the bag, really, and 
what else? I mean, what else was I supposed to do? I don't know. Well, what what usually happens? Well, it's it's something like that. We all bicker over the money, and then the winner jumps into the pit, and then we all follow. It's only in the past couple hundred times or so that I've abstained. I guess it was just a matter of time before someone else woke up. All right. Um. So what happens now? The statue will unfreeze eventually. The monkeys and Mr. Mungo will continue to fight for control of the portals. But I won't be there, a familiar voice said. Hello, Archelon, Mal said. I've handed off the center space to Mungo. Now it's the monkeys versus the elephant for the next few eternities. Well, I guess that makes life easier for you, doesn't it? Hey, um, how, how do I get home? You can go home if you wish, Archelon said. Okay, um, how do, how do I do that? You have to make a wish. I had no idea he was being literal. Yeah, so in exchange for your loyalty and your bravery, Archelon and I have decided to grant you one wish. I was shocked. I've had so many dreams about what I would do with three wishes. I had never counted on just getting one wish. You see, three wishes gives you an initial wish, a correcting wish, and then I wish that never happened for safety. One wish had this permanence to it. For, for a moment, I thought about wishing for a trillion dollars. But then I realized that that kind of wish would probably propel all of us back into the time loop again. And then I thought about wishing for a cool car or maybe a girlfriend that wouldn't cheat on me. Then I, I just couldn't decide. But then something just fell out of my mouth. I wish I were happy. The Malamander and Archelon looked at each other for a second, and then they turned back at me. Happiness cannot be wished for, Murray. It is something that can be chosen at any point in time, but never granted, Archelon said. Okay, um, how about I wish for world peace? Nah, peace is something that the world must choose on its own. It cannot be granted through or to one person. Man. I was getting stumped at all these technicalities. I came to the only conclusion. Whatever I wished for, I would have to enjoy it here, in the no place. I liked it here, but you know what? I really didn't want to stay here. I wished to be master of both worlds. Wise choice, Murray. As a master of both worlds, you may both walk with us when you'd like. And live in the world you know, Archelon said. So, where will you go now? Eh, who knows? There's so many realities, dreams, and worlds to explore and enjoy. The possibilities are endless. How will I reach you? Archelon reached down and touched my head, right between the eyes. Just imagine you are here, and we will meet you in this place. Well... Thanks, guys. I guess it's over, huh? No. It's just begun, Murray. It's just begun. Your wish is granted, Archelon said. The Malamander and Archelon walked off into the sunset. Reality around me faded out. Once again, I fell into a fog.